Hello people from around the world my name is Pratik Mishra your host and your dost for the podcast books and nostalgia Today we have entrepreneur John Lee with us all the way from USA Pittsburgh John Lee is the founder of a mobile app development agency called custommobile.app They build beautiful and affordable branded mobile apps for podcasters and content creators that monetize audiences with plans starting at a low dollar 25 a month John welcome to our episode and how are you I'm good. Thanks for having me, Pratik. Welcome to our show, John. Go ahead and introduce yourself to our audiences. Sure. Um, I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am a father of a six-year-old uh, boy who just started kindergarten today. In-person school. So we're fingers crossed that it'll be in person this year. Yeah. Um, I work full-time uh, as a product manager for a financial tech company. And then on the side, I have a small business, which you just mentioned—a small agency building branded, custom-branded mobile apps for content creators like yourself. So yeah, that's me. Um, I really love business and, and trying to grow my own little business, learning how to do that by doing it actually. And I also love philosophy. Those are two of my, I guess, top interests at this moment. Philosophy—that's cool. we'll have a little discussion at the end i guess about this i took a subject in my grad school i hope it might be of some use to me today i think that uh, as a founder of custom mobile.app it's been 8 months since you started can you describe a little bit about this journey and yeah i mean the journey is not only 8 months old i want to say i started my entrepreneurial journey uh, at the end of 2018 so probably going on 3 years now and just this latest iteration of the business is the recent version of it in the beginning i was trying to build a product my own product business and i was trying to build an app so that's where it began i was trying to build a social podcast app faced a lot of challenges there worked with an agency to build that cuz i'm not a developer myself i didn't have a technical co-founder it was just myself at the time and Long story short, that didn't work out for many different reasons. There wasn't enough. The the agency wasn't good enough. They didn't deliver on what I needed to be built. The market wasn't there. So I had built a product that I saw wasn't going to find a fit in the market and I saw other other similar products come and go in that time. So all of those things together and the fact that I wasn't um there were I didn't have any investors any institutional or big investors it was just family and friends that had put their trust in me because they knew me and they wanted to help me I had um, just family and friends investors and a lot of my own uh investment savings and especially debt that drove me um yeah into the journey and and really didn't give me an option to leave cuz I had people counting on me I had this debt to pay off and so once you're in I was in like up to the neck and there was no backing out I had to make it work so um yeah through different iterations of the product over time in January of this year we decided let's pivot and let's let's turn our product business into a service business we've built some technology um we have some relationships with content creators and podcasters already maybe 
they would like an app for their shows. Maybe they'd like to offer their listeners their own mobile app that the listeners could download. And yeah, so maybe that's maybe that's an idea we can pursue. So we uh, built the website and launched that in January. And so far, we've got close to 50 clients, all pretty independent podcast uh, podcasters, a couple of networks, and we're aiming to grow that by the end of the year, hopefully to break even, to have the, the business pay for itself by the end of the year, and then beyond that to keep growing it and making it more available to more podcasters. Uh, I'm on a shoestring budget. There is no marketing budget. It's me reaching out to podcasters one by one and good people like you having me on their shows so that I can talk to more people and expand my reach organically. So really it's been word of mouth that has brought in new clients for us and we're hoping that continues. Yeah, that sounds like amazing journey. Hope that people who are getting into this get a feel for it. Like they don't just go into it like it's roses. There are thorns along the way. Um, so I think I was talking about risk, right? Yeah. Um, there's no way to avoid risk as an entrepreneur. It's inherent to the game. And I think entrepreneurs have to be tolerant of and realistic about the risks they're taking, not only for themselves, but the people around them, their family, any friends or family members that have invested in them. Um, it's not, I don't think there are very many entrepreneurs tech that could do it on their own by their own resources. I think most entrepreneurs need a community around them to support them, not only financially, but emotionally and all that. So there, it's a it's a group effort. Um, and if you're married, it's really like your wife or your partner. It's a it's a group effort. It's a family effort. Yeah. So it's it's complicated. There's risks, significant risks, financially and relationally, and all of that. But for those of us who have decided to go down this way, there's so much potential for learning and growth professionally and personally. You learn, I've learned so much through the process that I can't say I regret starting the process and being on the journey because there's so much to learn on the journey. Um, yeah, so it's not for everyone, but for those who have the, the tolerance for the risk involved, I think there's there very there aren't that many other ways to learn or to get on uh, such a steep learning curve mm -hmm. to learn so much um, in so short a period of time. It's a great education, I think. Yeah. I guess somewhere like many entrepreneurs say that the college education prepares you for a job, but the real education happens after you graduate from the college. That gives a great insight into what you have said right now. Yeah, so, and I, I feel like college prepare you for work. To be honest with you, I don't know what. I think depending on your major, it could it could help you with your career. Like if, if you're in medicine or engineering or biology, but I think for a lot of jobs, college isn't going to prepare you for a lot of the soft skills that uh, will lead to success in any job learning how to manage your emotions, learning how to communicate effectively with your peers, your superiors, learning how to be a collaborative, good partner to work with, all these things you don't learn in school, you learn through life and almost un like subconsciously through your relationships, 
all these invisible ways that people develop these skills. So um, yeah, head knowledge is only a small part, I would say. And you can always learn and you will have to learn so much in every new job you go into that it, it's really the skill one needs to pick up is the ability to learn new things quickly and uh, to not get overwhelmed. So, so managing your emotions and your headspace well enough to get through that difficult initial period to learn what needs to be learned in any new job. I think that's that's probably the best skill to acquire. So I was just going through your website and you have told that you are targeting podcasters or is it more for content creators? Like, well, podcasters yes. are content creators. Podcasters create audio content, but it's still mm -hmm. content. I think content creator is the general term. Mm -hmm. Podcaster may be one kind of content creator, but um, yeah, authors are content creators, uh, bloggers, videographers, YouTubers. These are all content creators. Um, podcasting is just one channel for and one way that content can be distributed but yeah. you are a content creator you eventually you're, you're not tied to just the audio format you are a writer you could produce videos that's all content and eventually I think content creators start in one channel but diversify over time and they become just more diversified in there, in the way they distribute content. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that helps. So why only podcasters? Like, how is a app going to help me uh, distribute my audio content better? Like, yeah, I mean, I started with podcasters because I initially I was building a podcast app mm -hmm. that just happened to be the area I was in. I also love listening to podcasts. It's the primary way I consume content uh, more than reading more than television uh, podcasts are yeah, the primary way that I consume information now. So I love podcasts. <clears throat> um, why would an app help a podcaster? I think podcasters don't see themselves as small business owners, but they are. They're building a content business. Whether they uh, recognize that or not, that's what they're doing. Um, they want their podcast to become big enough to sustain itself, right? Uh, Pratik, do you want your podcast to pay for itself so you can do it, uh, you can do more of it, you can yeah. dedicate more time to it, you can get, you know, grow a bigger audience. Is that, is that one of the goals you have for your show? Yeah, yeah. That's a business. So um, you're growing a business. And as a business owner, the goal is sales. Every business owner needs to sell what they're providing in order to to make money and have the business pay for itself and keep it alive. So the website is usually the first place that a business owner will set up. Even You don't even need a physical shop, you need a website though. And that's where your customers are gonna come, they're gonna see what you sell and then they're gonna buy what you're selling. So you as a content business owner, that's the same goal for you. You want your audience to come to your shop on the web, which is your website, consume more of your content, get to know you, nurture that relationship, and ultimately buy. But what does that mean for you? It's different for every podcaster. 
but ultimately you want them to convert. That's like the marketing term. You want them to convert to becoming a customer. Customers can be patrons on Patreon. They could be actual customers. If you're selling something like merchandise, they could be clients. If you are um, a teacher or a coach and you've got a course that you're selling, that's what you're selling. You want your audience to come and buy your course or book you to, for a one-on-one -on -one counseling session. So there's all these uh, different ways that podcasters can monetize their content. But yeah, that's what the website is for. And in the past, only those who could afford it could have a mobile app. Because mobile apps are even more intimate than a website. It's on the phones of their customers. And you can interact with them much more easily. So the mobile app is just like the website. It was unaffordable in the past, but now it's affordable. Now it's accessible for anyone to have a mobile app, just like any big company. Every big company has a mobile app because they know the value of being in the pockets of their customers. They can re-engage those customers. They can nurture that relationship and they can have them coming back as repeat customers again and again. That's the benefit of having a mobile app. Also like the mobile phone is more available than a laptop or computing device. Large number of people have mobile phones. I was looking at for my day job as a product manager. I'm a product manager for um, a, a content management system inside a company. So this is the, the tool that powers the website. So I was looking at um, some Google Analytics traffic last week and I, I was quite surprised that like 75% of the traffic was coming not from desktops, but from mobile devices. Yeah, and so I don't know why that surprised me, but it, it shouldn't have surprised me. Like nowadays, most of the web traffic is actually coming from mobile, mobile devices, not from desktops. So it's an opportunity. So I know that you have been asked this a lot, so I won't go into this. Like, why does a podcaster need an app? So I'll reframe this question in a different format. And let's see that how can your business help solve them, right? So imagine that I am an established podcaster and as of now, my only source of revenue is the ads that I put inside the podcast. Why should I pay for an app? Ads are annoying. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is if you have an established show and you don't know who your listeners are, that's leaving a lot of business on the table. Yeah. You as a content creator, the more of your listeners you know and are able to connect with like individually one-on-one, -on -one, the bigger your business is going to be, the more money you're going to make. So if you're only distributing your content through um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, these other third-party apps, and you don't know who they are and they can't reach out to you in an easy way, and you're just making money on ads you're leaving money on the table you should be trying to get some of your listeners to come to your website number one um, but also some of your listeners to download your app because once they're once they download your app it's just like having their phone number having someone's phone number having their email address is so much more valuable than having an anonymous person listening to your content through stitcher because you can email them you can talk to them and you can start and nurture a relationship with them. That's where the loyalty 
that's where the monetization can, I think, go to the next level. And it's so difficult to make money on ads because you need a huge audience to do that. Most podcasters will never have the audience that it takes to attract ad advertisers. But you don't need a big audience. If you have an engaged audience, you can make money from your audience as customers and clients. Okay, shooting the next question. Like, okay, imagine that I am a new podcaster. I have shot like two or three episodes and I don't even know where to go ahead from this. How should I and why should I go for your app? I think if you're a new podcaster, you should take the time to think through what are your goals for this podcast. And I would encourage the young podcaster to think of their show as the beginning of a business. This is your product, is your audio content, it's your podcast. And the purpose of that product is to, is to drive sales, whatever that means for you, right? So first frame it like you're starting a business. The podcast is your first product. As you grow, you're going to add more products. So you're going to start a YouTube channel and then eventually you'll start a blog. Um, you should definitely have a website. Before you start, you should have a website for your show so people know where to find you. There's this one show that I listen to and I've been listening to for uh, a month or two now. You know, I'll, I'll give a plug for them because it's it's a great show. It's called The C Word. C and it's, it's out of Australia. I, I found it through um, a podcast newsletter. They had, they had like an advertisement or something on it. Brand new. Um, they don't have a website, but I'm sure they've got, I'm sure they have thousands and thousands of listeners, I'm sure. Because the story is so compelling. It's about this guy, this father in Australia, and he was diagnosed with brain cancer. Like real time, he's diagnosed with brain cancer like two months ago. And the podcast episode by episode is him talking to his brother. His brother is like the producer, audio producer. And they're giving updates on his treatment, on his mental state, how he's dealing with cancer treatment in real time. It's super compelling. Um, it's, yeah, it, it helps me like live my life better. But they don't have a website. Um, so that's like, they're growing a huge audience. But right now, and I don't know, they, they may not, they don't have a, I don't think they have a monetization strategy for the show, but eventually um, they could, they could. I'm sure they've got a huge audience. So getting that plan up front, getting clear on your goals for the show, what do I want them to do? I want them to take an action. What action do, do I want, want them to do? That will help you, I think. And yeah, the website and the mobile app, once you know that the action, the call to action you want your audience to take, then you can design your website and you can design your mobile app to help them take that call to action. Right, right. So like get a plan and start thinking of your podcast as a business. That's the first step. And get a website. That's number two, I guess. Just think about what is the call to action that I want my audience to take. That helps like for a beginner like me, it really helps. So moving on to the third scenario. Imagine like I am a person who is handling multiple gigs. I am having a YouTube channel, a blog, a Facebook page, everything. 
and now i'm trying to build a network but i don't have time to handle each and everything i don't want to spend too much but i still want to somehow interact with everyone why should i invest in your app well first of all i think if you're spread too thin and you're not able to give enough attention on the channels that matter that could that could hold you back so for me also in my business i'm one person right now doing all the marketing all the outreach all the customer onboarding customer support i'm doing everything so i don't have the bandwidth to to be on all the social media channels so i'm on twitter that's where i started and i started an instagram account but to be honest the instagram account hasn't converted for me it hasn't brought any real customers for me so i'm not very active on instagram so first of all like figuring out what channels work for you and focusing on that is probably a good idea. You don't want to spread yourself too thin because you are a human being with limited resources. So you want to make sure you're using those resources in the best the most effective way. Um but as a podcaster with uh your content going out in all these different directions, a mobile app is the is just the perfect place to bring it all together. So as a listener, I could find you on Twitter, I can find you on Facebook, I can find you on your website, on YouTube. These are all different places on the web. I've got to go to different places to find all this content. But if I get your app, I'm like one tap away from your podcast, one tap away from your YouTube channel, one tap away from your blog, one tap away from your Twitter feed. So it's all there in one place, and that makes it much easier for a listener to engage you further. and then much easier for you also to engage them. So that's probably one of the big benefits of having a well-designed mobile app but also a website. Your website should be doing that also. It should be making it super easy for your listeners to find all your content all over the place uh, on the internet but in one one place on your website. Okay, shooting the fourth situation right away. Okay, so imagine that I am working in podcasting for a long time and I am not getting the reach that I need. Do I need an app? Will that help me? You don't need a huge audience to monetize that audience. So I think thinking about monetization from the start is a good idea. So no matter if you have 100 listeners or 1000 listeners, you should be thinking about monetizing the first 100 listeners. So that's that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um and then if your audience isn't growing, that means people aren't sharing your content. So taking a good look at the quality of your content, making sure it's like I just shared with you that podcast. I didn't have to do that, but I shared with you that podcast cuz it helps me. That's that's gold, right? Yeah. If if that's happening, then then you're going to be growing. word of mouth and easily shareable links your content has to be good there's too much competition out there it's got to be share worthy people have to talk about it okay so let's go back to something else so basically i am a graduate student and i have several juniors who ask me regularly that how should i keep myself motivated on a daily basis because during this pandemic people have become lonely they miss the smallest of interactions like going out just giving a shake to someone or something like that so how should i keep myself motivated how to keep myself happy during this time 
nothing motivates like knowing your purpose right yeah. if you know the purpose of your education then that's going to motivate you why are you in school why are you studying what you're studying if you're studying something for someone else because someone else wants you to be studying that it's going to be real hard to motivate yourself but if you're studying something because it's going to help you reach a personal goal i think that's that's going to give you a lot of motivation uh, and hopefully you enjoy the content you're studying you enjoy the subject matter if you're feeling unmotivated maybe question it's a good time to question like why are you unmotivated that can be painful but being honest with yourself and finding the the why of your studying finding the purpose i think is the most sustainable way to uh, recharge your motivation and stay motivated yeah yeah that helps the purpose is such a how should i say it at my age it's a, such a vague thing like we don't even know what we want to do for example in india i don't know about usa because i think there is a little bit more freedom uh, to 20 year olds but in india engineering and medic medical uh, colleges have a lot of competition like if you, just to give you an example like iits uh, have 60 lakh people competing for just a handful of seats like 20000 seats and the success rate is around 0.05 or something like that keeping yourself happy is one thing but how do you define purpose at such a young age like at 20 or something yeah well keeping <laughs> yourself happy is not easy right i don't think you can be happy by pursuing happiness i think happiness is a side effect so happiness is like a signal that you're doing the right thing that you're going in the right path if you're if you're doing the right thing and you're pursuing the right thing then you're going to find yourself you're going to like you'll wake up and be like gosh man i'm happy it's like a side thought and then you're going to go back to doing what you're doing so going after happiness itself i think is a dead end you're never going to find it by going after it directly purpose at 20 yeah i didn't know what i wanted to do at 20 what advice would i give to my 20 year old self i would say get a job it's you got a job great i'd say get a job work um earn a living as you're earning a living that gives you time to think so don't put off thinking uh, just because you're working a particular job don't put off thinking about okay what what are my gifts what are my talents what are where what are my interests i think those two things you have no control over really like you don't really control your gifts because you're born with them and they're shaped by your life experience but and yeah you can consciously like nurture them but you're going to be good at some things more than other things by the time you're 20 and you're going to have interests and you don't control your interests either you don't choose th- those things you're interested in they choose you yeah so think about what are your talents what are your interests and then combine them and then look at the opportunities are there open doors where i can combine my skill set and my interests so when those three things come together I think that that can give some direction to what you you should be like moving in that direction. If you're not in like your first job probably is not going to be your dream job. It's just where you begin. You've got to start somewhere. But start start providing for yourself financially, becoming more independent from your parents because you've got to separate yourself from your parents and your family to 
kind of figure out who you are also as an individual. That's all part of growing up too. So you've got to separate, become more independent, autonomous financially, and then yeah, start thinking, start exploring. What are my talents? What are my interests? You don't even know what your interests are. I think at 20, I didn't know I I I liked software until I was well into my 30s. So you don't know what interests your career will. Yeah, you don't know all your interests at 20. So you you want to get lots of different experiences.、Um, yeah. So at 20, I'd probably encourage myself. I'd, I'd encourage you to go out and get lots of different experiences, taste lots of different topics, meet lots of different people. You're gonna spread your net wide. And then yeah, like you'll find some things you're drawn to, you're you're curious about, you want to learn more. Just follow your curiosity. That's good. That's motivating. You'll want to learn more about that particular topic for a time. So go in that direction. Again, think about your talents, discover your interests, combine them, and then look for open doors. Like knock on、yeah. doors, see which ones are open, and yeah, see if they they open.、And、if they open, walk through that door. That's pretty general, but、uh, that's where my mind goes initially. Yeah. Follow your intuition and do trial and error in your twenties. Trial and error. There's no other way to learn but trial and error. I think that's the only way to learn by by making mistakes and making them again and again. There was a speech in.、Uh, have you heard that、uh, "stay hungry, stay foolish" thing? Like, it's.、Uh, I saw it like one or two times earlier. There is a line in there like. You do several things that are unconnected, and they are like dots in a blank canvas. And when you are in your fifties or sixties, you just connect them backwards. That made so much sense to me. And yeah, so we talked about purpose a little bit, but purpose can also be derived from several other things apart from what we are doing in our lives. For example, God and religion also play a very important role in many people's life. So, do you believe in God? What's、oh, yeah. Absolutely. So here's a question for you that I've been thinking about also: Is my purpose and your purpose is it just a feeling, or is it a fact? Is it only an internal feeling and experience? Is it something I create, or is it something outside of me that's imposed on me? That's actually a fact of reality. Did you follow that?、Mm-hmm. I think it matters. It matters if you if you think purpose, your purpose, is just something you create for yourself, and like the meaning you feel、uh, in your life is something. It's just a feeling, but it's not an objective fact. I think that matters. So I believe my purpose is objective. It's from the outside because I believe in a God who has made me and has given me a purpose. So destiny, the God I believe. In. Yeah, you can think of it as destiny. Yeah. So God loves me, and when when people love anything, or when I love my son, that love is not just oh I, I I'm so affectionate. I just I love you so much. It's not just that. Love is directional and purposeful. Like I want my son not only to have good things in his life, but to become a certain type of person. It's very purposeful. So, because I believe that God made me and He loves me, I know He has a purpose for me, and so that purpose is something I will discover. It's not something that I will create for myself. It's something that is there, 
from the outside imposed on me and it's something I will discover over time and live into. So yes, I think um, if you want the purpose of your life to be stable and if you, if you believe it's a fact, not just a feeling, then I think God is the only way really to, for that situation to be feasible, logically. So, like, do you believe in free will? Like, should I assume that if God has written everything for me, is there a scope for free will in any of this? Yeah, I absolutely believe in free will. I believe that everyone lives as if they have free will. They're making real decisions. They feel responsible for those decisions. We hold other people responsible for their decisions. It's just a part of our social world. It's the way we live and breathe. So I do believe that we have free will and I believe that God made us in his image. He is free. He has, he has made us free. And so we make uh, morally accountable decisions. Okay. So destiny is like a end point and we can make decisions, but we'll ultimately reach that same end point that has been pre-decided for us. Is it something that you'd agree with? That's what I believe. Yeah. I know those ideas are intention. There's fate and then there's free will. How are those, how do they, how are they combined? Like, how are they compatible? It's actually a phrase, um, a, a thing called a compatibilist. So I am a compatibilist. I believe we have free will, but I also believe that God has a destiny. He has a purpose and he's going to bring all of human history, the universe even, to a determined finish point, determined end. Free will and fate are not incompatible, they are compatible. I can't explain to you exactly how they're compatible. There are lots of different analogies to this, but I think um, I think reality is like that. I think even in science, I come across, they're called paradoxes. They're um, apparent contradictions. They're not real contradictions. They just appear to be contradictions all over reality. So like light, for example, Light, is light a wave or is it a particle? They seem incompatible. How can, how can light behave like a wave and also like a particle? So human beings can't, we don't have a category for that. So we just squashed the words together and we came up with the particle wave theory of light. I think in, in um, quantum physics also, like at the smallest scale, it seems like there's indeterminist, like some things are indeterministic. There's like randomness at like the smallest scale, but at bigger scales, everything seems determined. Molecules bump into each other. Matter in motion is cause and effect. So even there, like we don't, we can't put those things together, but that seems to be the case. It seems to be the case from our observations that there is indeterminism and determinism somehow working together in reality. That gives me more confidence that this is only an apparent contradiction. It's not a, an actual contradiction. That feels like a lot to digest. I'll try to make note of it somewhere later. Like, there is a term I came across called agnostic. I think it means since you cannot say for 100% sure that you, you can prove that God exists, and I cannot say that 100% sure that God does not exist, we can just agree that you can believe in God and I cannot believe in God. Like, do you believe that? this statement is correct like what are your thoughts on this 
I believe I, so I can know there is a God. I think everyone can know for themselves whether there is a God or not. So I know there is a God, but I can't make you know it. I can only show you evidence and argue, by evidence and argument, I can only like show you there is a God. So I think um, what I know, I can know with certainty, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very personal experience. Yeah. And I think the only way to know something like whether you exist, like, are you a robot? Um, are you just like a, an illusion on my computer? The simulation thing? I don't think so. Yeah, right? I know you exist because I've met you. Like maybe I had heard of Pratik before, like we were emailing. I've heard of Pratik, he, see, he types well, he doesn't seem to be a robot in the way he writes. So like, I'm pretty sure Pratik's a real person. But now that I've met you, well, I know Pratik exists. I'm talking to you right now. So I, I think meeting or experiencing directly God is the only way to know for sure that he, he exists. It's like a very intimate thing. Like you can feel him, you cannot show him. Yeah, yeah. It's very personal. I think you have to experience it or experience him. There is a God in our culture. He's called Krishna and there was a great Bhakt. I don't know how, okay, devotee. So a devotee of her and she was Mirabai. And she devoted her entire life writing poems for uh, her deity without even seeing him. And everyone around uh, her claimed that she was mad and now she's worshipped like she was the greatest uh, devotee. And it's like no one else can even see or feel him apart from the person who is experiencing that emotion or that feeling. That That is something that I wanted to share. Like, Okay, so John, before I let you go, we'll do just two more questions. One, uh, since this is a book podcast, I cannot let you go without telling me whether you like reading and what's your favorite book. I have rediscovered the joy of reading about a year and a half ago. So after I had my son, he didn't read very much for, I want to say the first five years, because I didn't have the bandwidth mentally, physically for reading, no time. But I started reading again, uh, I think like a year and a half ago and I've rediscovered the joy of it. I really enjoy reading more than um, watching television or watching movies. I, I prefer reading fiction and especially yeah, fiction than, than watching TV. I don't have a favorite book, but I did finish the Harry Potter series for the first yeah. time. All seven books, like I want to say like a month and a half ago. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. Yeah, they were a lot of fun and they were well-crafted and great storytelling and I was really impressed with the the skill of uh, JK Rowling to tell that story and pull it all together in the end. I just finished reading a book we talked about purpose today called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yeah. It was written I think in 1947 like right after World War II ended. I had heard of it for a long time but I'd never read it. It's very famous actually like millions and millions of copies have been sold but he's a psychiatrist, doctor, and he was taken to the concentration camps. He was taken to Auschwitz. He's from Austria. He was taken to Auschwitz by the Nazis. And he spent three years, I think, in the concentration camps being moved around. And the first half of the book is about him talking about his experience in the concentration camps as a prisoner, what it was like, and talking about the psychology of the prisoners in that environment. 
The second half of his book is about his uh, psychotherapeutic framework, which he developed before he went into the concentration camp, but he, he developed further while he was in there. So that's like his his therapeutic uh, method. Long story short, it's all about it's all about purpose slash meaning. He kind of uses those words uh, in the same way, but realizing there is a meaning to your life, to everything that you do, and every situation is an opportunity. So that book made a big impact, and I've been thinking about meaning and purpose ever since I finished it about uh, like three weeks ago, and um, it's I, I've made progress on like how how I think about purpose and meaning and lots of other stuff tied into that. Right now, I'm reading a new book called 1984. A, a friend of mine recommended it. Have you heard of this one? What does it mean? This one is also very famous. Uh, there are so many cultural references about it. Um, it was it was written in 1949, I think, but it's uh, it's very famous and it's about a dystopian, like socialist England. Okay. Um, very dark, dark dystopian socialist England. Big Brother. Have you heard of the term Big Brother? You may, you may not have, but it's like the eye in the sky, like watching what everyone is doing all the time like the government surveillance oh yeah yeah, yeah th th this book is probably what began that those words those concepts all of that i'm in the middle of it i'm not sure what to make of it actually i like the beginning <laughs> because it was it's so dark and it reads like a modern book like i was surprised that it reads like something that could have been written today and it's like before television was invented so he's talking about different technology in that book that a lot of people say actually they, we have stuff like that today so he was very like forward thinking about technology yeah. but in the middle the plot takes a turn i won't tell you how it takes a turn but um i'm not sure i like how it how it turned <laughs> i'll just tell you maybe i can just i hope it doesn't end up being a love story <laughs> i hope it's not a love story but um, yeah, there's, there seems to be something like that going on in the middle. And, and when I started reading it, I was like, gosh, um, it's not a book for it's not a book for kids. It's not a book for teenagers. I, I, I thought, you know, every high school student should read this book. But now I think, you know what? I don't think, um, I think people in, our, in their 20s might, you might be a good age to read the book because it's, it's pretty mature. <sighs> I can't believe it was written in 1949 because it's like even before the sexual revolution, which yeah. I think it was the like 1960s and 70s. This book is like, it's pretty raw, like sexually yeah, too. And I'm like, what yeah. the heck is this? This is like, I, I had no expectations of anything like this from a book from 1949. But yeah, I'd recommend it. I'm not finished with it, but it's a huge cultural, cultural piece in the West. That seems like an interesting read. I'll check it out once. Okay, John, uh, like this is just to uh, get to know you a little better. So I'll just throw a quick rapid fire, only five questions, and we'll just test what it's like to be John Lee. Okay. Okay. The first one is easy job or business? Business. Second is reading books or watching movies? Which one do you prefer? Reading, reading books. Uh, a favorite place you went to as a child? Being outside, nature. Away from city, like. Peace and quiet. Yes, I like being in the outdoors. Okay, a pastime activity you enjoy. Not related to work, yeah. 
Yeah, I just started taking Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Have you heard of? Yeah, Jiu-Jitsu. I know. I don't know the specific variety. I just, of... I, I just signed up uh, two weeks ago with my son. They, they have kids classes, so he'll be doing a kids class, and I'll be doing adult classes. I did it for two months, like four years ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since. So I'm really excited to pick it up again. It's a really interesting and unique sport. It's mentally and physically uniquely challenging. In, in a very interesting way. It's something to definitely explore if you, yeah, if you, you're young and you're looking for something that will help you, I think, grow mentally and uh, control, control, uh, yeah, your emotions even. It activates the mind and the body fully at the same time, like nothing else that I've experienced. Something like the chi? Well, no, it's, so it's, some, it's like grappling. Have you heard of grappling? It's wrestling. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's because it's wrestling you're so close with another human being it's physically uh, more demanding than almost anything else you could do physically like exercise wise there's almost nothing yeah. more hard than wrestling but also mentally you have to be thinking constantly when you're wrestling you're not going brain dead you're actually thinking all the time like what's happening where am i what's going on like what's my what can i do in this situation so the mind is constantly going while your body is fully engaged and at the same time um, it's very uncomfortable especially like if someone is on top of you that can be very uncomfortable and it's difficult to breathe sometimes so it teaches you how to breathe actually and teaches you how to stay calm and keep thinking in a very uncomfortable situation I find the mental benefits of it even more, even better than the physical exercise of it. But it will be a really nice bond between you and your child. Like you have started at a very young age and hope you continue as he grows. So a really common habit together. Hope so. I hope he likes it. Yeah. And when he's older, then we can practice together. We'll see. Okay. Uh, last question. What is a life philosophy you believe in? Life philosophy. I believe the purpose of my life and everyone's life is to love God and love their neighbor as themselves. So love God, love your neighbor. That's everyone's ultimate purpose. It's everyone's objective purpose. What that looks like is different for every human being because every human being is different. We've got different talents, different interests. We live in different communities. We have different friends. So it looks different for every human being, but that's the ultimate purpose is to love God and love your neighbor. Um, and I would say, Loving God is the same as knowing God. So like the more you know God, the more you will love him. It's it's so tightly connected. Knowing and loving are so tightly connected. It's when I think about it, it's kind of like when you understand that like two plus two equals four, when you understand a mathematical concept, you cannot unbelieve it. It's impossible for you to not believe two plus two equals four once you've understood it it's kind of like that i think like the more you know and encounter god the more you love him and it's impossible not to love him if you understand him and if you yeah. if you've met him so yeah that those are some thoughts i've been having recently okay so on an ending note john lee thank you for being a part of this show Guys, do check out custommobile.app. It's mighty useful to literally anyone building content in today's world. Uh, would you like anything to it, John? If anyone yeah. comes to us through Pratik Show, 
we will give you one month free. So there's no risk in building your app, publishing it. Just mention Pratik and his show when you sign up and you'll get that first month free. Guys, Izzat ka sawal hai. It literally means like it's my respect on the line. <laughs> so guys, sign up for this as quickly as you can. Okay. So thank you John Lee. Thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Uh it means a lot actually and some of my friends have been really excited for this and I'd be glad to share this episode with them. Thank you Pratik for having me. It was a joy talking to you and let's do it again soon.